Welcome to the cover story. I'm Bob. I'm Nick. They call me Dr. Bob, although I'm a doctor, I'm not really the helpful kind. Um, I am married to the award-winning artist Edie Wells. Uh, we have two children, Laura and Clay. Um, I love my family. I love the great outdoors. Uh, I love my wood shop, and I love music. I've loved music all my life. Now, um, somebody that I know loves music because Nick is a very talented musician. Um, Nick, introduce yourself. Hi there. My name is Nick. I am a professional musician in the state of Michigan. I'm here in Huntsville, Texas with my friend Bob visiting some family and uh, excited to be here on the Cover Story podcast. Yeah, Nick is along for the ride, and I'm very appreciative of that. He's literally half my age and will bring a distinct uh, difference to this thing and reaction. I'm really looking forward to that uh, as, as well. Um, he's the smartest one in the room, so give, give me a chance to navigate this. Um, but we're going to take you down a musical journey where we play an original song, and then we play a cover a chosen cover for one reason or another, and they'll all be different, and that's okay. And then in the other will react to that, and then we'll decide together, you know, maybe which one we like, and maybe we'll agree, maybe we won't. I don't know how this will go, because we're not scripting 100% of this. So um, we'll just kind of see uh, how, how it goes. So all's fair play. Uh, because of copyright considerations, we will ask you to step away and listen to a song and come back. Uh, so I know you can navigate that and we'll just kind of see how that goes. So you ready for me to jump in? Jump right in. I'm excited to hear it. All right, here we go. So my pick to start with is she came in through the bathroom window. I've been in love with that song for a long, long time. So what I want you to do right now is to stop and, and pause and go listen to the Beatles version of she came in through the bathroom window we'll wait so i think we can agree that the lyrics are kind of fun and frivolous and you know if you're a fan of of paul and john you love that because they did that a lot you know with their music um the, it's actually on the abbey road album from 1969 um, and is actually, there's a, there's a play in song, uh, poly, uh, polythene Pam is the lead into, she came in through the bathroom window and, and it's pretty seamless as they kind of play into it. Um, I've been to Apple studios. I didn't know that. Yeah. And it was a quick trip, but I actually crossed Abbey road. So I feel a loose connection to all yeah. of that, you know, and, and uh, I have a photo of me somewhere doing that. And, uh, uh, yeah, I just, I love this song. There, there are so many Beatles songs that have, uh, probably larger meaning mm. and are more significant. And I'm probably going to come back around to a couple of those eventually. <laughs> right. Uh, but I, this one, uh, really kind of strikes a, uh, a chord with me somehow. It's, it's, I just love the song. I, I, I'm not a musician. I, I can sing, and Nick tells me that that makes my voice an instrument, and I know he's right with that, but I'm not trained, and I don't play an instrument, as opposed to Nick, who is marvelous um, with all of that. 
um, I'm pretty sure that John and Paul probably did not know some of what they were doing with this. At least that's the indication of, of my research. Um, but the, the, the gist of what makes this song a little bit magical is that while the song lyrics go down, the instrumentation goes up. And so mm-hmm. that juxtaposition kind of makes it interesting right yeah yeah and if you uh if you listen most times most times the melody follows the instrument uh, going up and down but this one doesn't do that um it's just a little two minute song it's not very long i mean it's 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 there's not a much to it um but here's the fun part so so there were these uh groupies they called them apple scruffs because they hung around apple studios all the time mostly girls but some guys too um and they figured out where these guys lived and so one day i don't know where the beatles were but they were gone or at least paul was i i I don't know if they were all gone or just paul but anyway um they went to his house saw that the upstairs bathroom window was open, found a ladder, and one of the girls went up the ladder through the window and then back down and unlocked the door so they could all come in. And they took stuff. Uh, They took uh, some art that was on the wall. Uh, You know, they didn't take anything that was really of any high quality except for this one photo of Paul's dad. And he just kind of, in the end, I'm skipping forward to tell you that he just kind of put it out to everybody. Hey, I'd like to have the photo back. And they brought it back to him. So, I thought, you know, it's, it was all kind of a friendly thing. It wasn't like we needed to arrest right, right. people or anything, right? Right. Right. So uh, that's the gist of she came in through the bathroom window. Now, you know, some of it, um, like like the, the lyric, uh, so I quit the police department. So Paul's recollection of that is him getting in a cab in new york city and the cab driver's name is eugene quits and right below his id panel um, there are the words uh, new york police department i don't know why Um, it's kind of random but um, paul put together so i quit the police department and got myself a steady job right which I find to be hilarious because what if he got in somebody else's cab that day? What would that lyric have been or would have it ever existed at all, you know? And so I know that's the random part of music, right? Absolutely. You know, it's so funny just to think about where inspiration for music comes from, especially somebody as seasoned as Paul at that point, somebody who's written hundreds and hundreds of songs. You know, at this point, they're at the peak of their creativity with the, at, at the end of the Beatles. So it's funny to, to think about how such a famous song like that can just come by looking at somebody's cab. I know, right? Uh, that's, I think that's the magic. That's where the magic is. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, just a, a, a quick personal note, too, uh, when they speak, when they sing of uh, Sunday's on the phone to Monday and Tuesday's on the phone to me. So my wife, Edie, and I spent two or three years separated by about three and a half hours. And um, I began to call her Tuesday because really our only connection was on the phone <laughs> right. and she was on the phone to me. So that I that probably uh, actually McCartney's version of what that meant was. Uh, his neighbors trying to get a hold of him to tell him mm-hmm. that people had broken into his home. 
you know, so <laughs> I don't know. I, know I don't know how that how that weaves in, but that's that's the the possibility. There's a there's a YouTube video of Paul and and his band Wings. Yeah. That, and they sing this song. And um it was in the I don't know 80s or 90s or something when they recorded it. And the whole crowd is just and when I watch it, it, it appears to me that the whole crowd is just significantly emotionally drawn to this song. And yeah. I can't tell you why. Yeah. I don't know where they were. I didn't, I didn't look at that or research any of that. But it's just a, it's a song of pure joy and fun yeah. and maybe less meaning than everybody wants to ascribe to <laughs> sure. it, right? So now what I want you all to do, if you're still listening, and I'm assuming that you are, there are several covers of this song. There are covers that are may have been made by well, a lot of people have done it uh, uh, in concert, but recorded versions there are several. All right. But I've chosen the Joe Cocker version, so I want everybody to stop, pause this, and go listen to Joe Cocker's version of "She Came In Through the Bathroom Window." So the interesting thing about Cocker's version is, is there's not a lot of lag time. I mean, he did that at Woodstock in 69. So we're talking months, not years, right. you know, as, as far as recording it, hearing it, and then performing it. Um, and then he, he also recorded it as well. Um, you either love Joe Cocker or you don't. It's so true. You know, I mean, he's just got one of those voices, I right? I know he is. He's just got that divisive voice. It's crazy. I think he's amazing. I think his voice is incredible. But I think you're right that he is very divisive. He's just sort of, you're falling one of two cans when it comes to Joe Cocker. Agreed. Agreed. And it's all that tone of voice. Yeah. And probably for us old guys thinking, dude made a lifetime living covering songs. Mm-hmm. You know, he wrote very few uh, right. big hits, but but a couple of his covers were huge right. hits. So um, his hit number one in England didn't quite get to number one in America, but his right. version hit number one in England. Wow, so yeah. everybody loves this song. You're right. 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 Whoever's doing it. Um, and probably his his uh, his gig at Woodstock probably propelled him in oh, his yeah. career. Oh, yeah. You know, and how he did this song. He. He made this song his own. Right. He did not try to script this thing like uh, the Beatles did it. He he made it purely his own, which right. was a smart move for right. him on that. Right. Um, and and he also added a short uh, uh, instrumental interlude in the middle, which was which was kind of nice. The Beatles didn't do so. You know, when you look at covers, you look at, and we're going to talk about this a lot. We're going. Probably every podcast we're going to talk about this. You have two choices with a cover. You either try to make it perfectly the way it was originally, or you make it your own. And there's argument for both ways, right? Am I right? Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. You just kind of have, you face that crossroads as a musician when you sort of start to do a song that somebody else has made very famous. In the case of the Beatles, a very, very famous song. Right. So... I'm not, you know, I don't have to play old guy here because b- both of these versions are within a year of each other. Right. So I'm not playing old guy. So I'm really literally picking the one that I enjoy the most. And I think my pick 
is uh, the Beatles version just because it's cleaner and neater and just maybe more fun. I'm not sure. You know, I'm not sure what it is, but the emotion seems to really pour from uh, John and Paul's version of this. What do you think? Yeah, I'm inclined to agree with you for those same reasons. When you think about the history of the Beatles at this point, this is at the very tail end of the Beatles. They've just gone through a pretty tumultuous moment in their career with Let It Be. They try and go back to sort of their roots and it just isn't really working out. So they get back to the studio to do one last thing, one last thing to get it all right, just to have fun and just kind of make one great, beautiful, joyful record before they just call it quits because they're right on the cusp of calling it quits. And so when you talk about that joy, that fun, you can hear that through the whole record, specifically with this song, which comes in the middle of what we call the Abbey Road medley at the very yes. end, the basically side two of the record. Correct. Basically, it just kind of flows very seamlessly from track to track to track to track to track. Yes. And it just sounds so fun. It's just so, so, such a whirlwind of songs just kind of back to back to back. And this song in particular is just right in the middle of that. And it just is so fun, which comes with this big sort of wind up drum beating and John yells, oh, come on. And then he launches right it. And she came right through the bathroom window. Yeah. And that's just, it is so fun. I so do adore that very much. I do too. Yeah. It's just, I think it in the, right in the context of that medley, I think it's just so fun. So I'm inclined to agree with you that I really, I appreciate Joe Cocker and his, his version. Um, but I, I just think you can't beat that Beatles version. It's almost, it's, you know, you, you spark my memory. It's almost like they went back to 1964 right. on that B side of that, right. that album. They yeah. went back to having fun and playing a few ditties and just enjoying life. Yeah. And they've been to some really dark places, you know, in the interlude. Yeah. Um, and had explored some really serious topics. You know, they had been, invo- they had, their music was involving uh, the civil rights movement mm-hmm. and the war in Vietnam. And then all of a sudden she came in through the bathroom right. window and it's just like, oh. So good. You so. go back to sort of that that sensibility of 1964, that fun, added with the musical sophistication they had gained in sort of the following five years right. to 1969. So when you mix that, just that musical sophistication with that fun, I think you get something like magic. And that's what I think she came in through the bathroom window is. I agree. We're not always going to agree, folks, but we got one in the books here where we're on the same page. <laughs> So where are you going, Nick? What are you choosing? So I'm going to choose something much more modern. And I'm not sure if you've, you've listened to either of these, but I'm going to pick the song uh, Valerie. This has been made very famous by Amy Winehouse. I think yes. her version is the most famous version. Um, but a lot of people, I'm not sure if they know this, that it is a cover of a song uh, by a, a group called the Zootons, a British, a British band from the mid-2000s. Yeah. So I'm going to talk a little bit about this song, and I'm going to start with the Amy Winehouse version first, and then talk a little about the history of the original. Okay. So Amy Winehouse, of course, very famously covered this song uh, in um, ni- er, in 2007 um, with a, a collaboration with Mark Ronson. Um, mm, yeah. Okay. And um, so she hears this song, and it, I mean, you know, it was a popular song, I think, in the UK, but I mean, I don't think really did well in the in the us at all and you know zootons not a very big band so for the fact that somebody as big as amy winehouse found this song and decided i want to cover this i think is really really interesting um and then was invited to contribute to this project with mark ronson a very famous producer um and then you know he sort of 
has this idea that Winehouse doesn't listen to anything post-1967. She kind of has this old soul of uh, mentality in her, in her listening style, anything that comes through mm. in her music. She does kind of mm. have that old school sort of thing. If you listen yep. to Back to Black, I think you can hear some of those, those old influences. And so um, for her to sort of say to Ronson, I want to do this song that was released last year, I think is very shocking to him. Yeah. And so... He said, he's quoted as saying, I wasn't sure how it would work, but she, so she went to the studio and tried it, and I loved it. And so this, they released this song, and they do a famous cover at the Live Lounge, and it, it is just an amazing performance. I think she's, I mean, we all know how talented Amy Winehouse is, and I right. think the horn arrangements from Ronson are amazing in this version. Um, and it's just a great song. This is a song I've covered a few times just at live gigs and things, and it always plays amazingly. The crowd yeah. always is super into it. It's a great song, yeah. you know, great lyrics, great melody. It's a great, great song. So take a listen. If you haven't listened to this yet, go just pause this real quick and go listen to the Amy Winehouse version of Valerie. All right, now let's try and, and listen. We'll, uh, we'll talk a little bit about the Zootons version. The Zootons is this band um, in in Liverpool, former Liverpool. We're talking about the Beatles. Okay, now, there you go. There's a lot of similarities, I think, between <laughs> our, our two choices here. Um, so indie rock band formed in 2001 in Liverpool. Um, their debut album is called Who Killed the Zootons? Um, they are just... Uh, if you have an idea of sort of how you know mid two thousands indie rock sounded like, I think you'll hear the Zootons. It's just sort of they're just sort of that sound, you know, just sort of getting back to basics. This is kind of on the tail end of sort of the Strokes and sort of this reinvigorated okay. movement of sort of guitar mm-hmm. rock, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so they they formed two thousand one and they make this song in two thousand and six um, off of their record Tired of Hanging Around. And uh, we were talking about how Paul thinks of this song in a cab, right? Right. This is kind of similar to to this song. Um, in, an, in an interview with the Scotsman in May of 2008, their lead singer, Dave McCabe of the Zootons, he described the process of writing this song. And he says, I could tell you I was inspired by gazing out across the Mersey or walking past Maka's old house, McCartney's nickname, Maka. Mm-hmm. But the truth is, I got the idea in a cab on the way to my mom's. The whole song was written before I got there. 20 minutes max. Wow. Isn't that amazing? Wow. Like that song. That's a great song. That's a great song. 20 minutes. Oh my God. I think that's just incredible how some of these songwriters, they talk about their songwriting processes for these songs that have become so huge. Yeah. And they say the same thing. 20 minutes, half an hour, an hour. Yeah. How does that strike you when you think about (laughs) that? I don't know, man. I don't know. I can't conceive it. Because, you know... There are processes that take longer, you know, where the where they'll come up with the lyric or they'll come up with, you know, a piece or something and build on it. But it is it's oddly familiar that that story plays out, that it's a 30 minute thing yeah. beginning to end. Got it canned, ready right. to go. You've heard that story before. Right? Yeah. And he, he, you run through it a couple of times and we'll, we'll keep that one. Right. You know, it's like, holy crap. I don't know how that happens. It's just, it's just one of those just crazy things, I think, with, with anything like this. Um, so they talk about a little bit about the song's title and basically the theme of the song. And refers to an American friend of Dave McCabe's who was in trouble for, for basically driving drunk. Um, the band's drummer, Sean Payne, called it a, a musical postcard to her, um, saying that he's having a hard time and, you know, and can she come over and see him? You know, that's sort of where these lyrics come from. Gotcha. 
And so this band, I think, is really interesting because they very uncelebratory just sort of broke up in 2009, you know. I think that's really interesting how this band, I think, had probably seen their biggest success only two years earlier with this, or three years earlier with this song, but two years after the fact that Amy Winehouse right. had put this song, I think, really on the map. Yeah, yeah And I yeah. think that's really, really fascinating to me that they just sort of felt like they needed to call it quits only after eight years as a band. But we talk about the Beatles, too. Same thing. They were only a group for nine or ten years. Yeah, decade. Yeah. So this is really, really interesting to me. So take a second and listen to the Zootons version of this, um, and then we'll, we'll go ahead and talk about which versions we like more. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about which versions we like of this song. Do you want to go first or should I? I think you should. I am a, I'm a big fan of the Zootons version of this. Um, I like just sort of the raw energy of it from a band that's from Liverpool, you know, like, like any other <laughs> bands from Liverpool that we know. Right. But um, I think the, just the soul and the horn arrangement of the Amy Winehouse version, I think are just amazing additions to this song. So I'm leaning more towards the Amy Winehouse version for me personally. What do you think? Um, I think the, man, I think everything that Amy Winehouse touched was gold. Yeah. I think yeah. you got to start there. Yeah. Um, she's probably going to add a little bit more, uh, you said instrumentation, a little bit more, yeah. you know, uh, soulfulness and kind of fill it, fill it out a little bit more. Um, so yeah, I think, I think I agree with you on that. I think I, I know her version, you know, in my head. Yeah. Um, and so I would have to, to go with that, but I'm, man, that is a clever choice for you to come <laughs> up with. That is really spot on. It's all of a sudden, uh, Hey folks, we're, we're not discussing these before we no, do. I have them. no we're idea just, what we're, bringing we're just to this. showing up and it's like a, it's like a cold call. You're giving me this and I don't know what's coming. And, uh, the, the magic of this particular session apparently was Liverpool. Right. Right. Well, and I almost picked, uh, with a little help from my friends, which is also very famously covered by Joe Cocker. Yep. So when you mentioned that, I was like, maybe I should pick a different, <laughs> different song. I will come back to we'll it. We'll come don't back worry. to that one. I think that is definitely one worth discussing, but maybe we'll bring that, put that in our back pocket for next time. It's amazing to me, um, the the number of covers that are out there that you discover as you go along yeah. in life you know you're like oh, i thought this was uh so-and-so's music and no that was a cover of right. something 10 years earlier i think that whatever. happens a lot with with amy winehouse's track you know yeah. especially when that comes out in 2007 everybody can just google it at that point yep i think that's the beauty of sort of music in this digital age we can learn so much about you know the beatles or amy winehouse that we might not have been able to prior i agree so being able to sort of google oh i love this valerie song I wonder what that's about and understand learning that you know the zootons yeah. and dave mccabe yeah. wrote this song i think is a, a such a fun discovery process for me. I mean, if you look at my generation, we had to wait for a magazine to come That's out right. once a month, That's you right. know, to get any kind of information. You right. know, when I was your age, I was waiting on, you know, Rolling Stone to right. show up in my mailbox so I could get some info on what was happening. <laughs> right, right. And apparently they weren't giving me all the information, right? Yeah. And now I've got this thing called the internet, and you're right. It's just opened up doorways into all kinds yeah. of really worthwhile information. It's incredible. It, it's, I think it's really fun. It's amazing. Especially that, that little bit about, you know, I, I didn't know that Paul McGartney had written that song or had learned about that idea in yeah. a cab. I had yeah. no idea until he just said it right now. 
<laughs> so it's just one of those things, especially with the Beatles. I think you're just constantly, I've listened to the Beatles and like loved the Beatles for so long, as I'm sure you have too. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like I'm always just rediscovering things about them and just purely discovering things. There's I, no question. I'm always just learning, oh, they did that in that song. That's amazing. Oh, he wrote about that. I had no idea. I'm just always, no matter how much of a super fan I think you are as a Beatles fan, you're always just learning more things. It just sort of adds to their mystique and just, it's, it's incredible. I wish, if I had one wish for the Beatles, my wish for the Beatles would have been to have been able to produce this music in a modern studio yeah. because so much of what they did was clanging two things mm-hmm. together to get a you know a sound that they yeah. wanted, and you know now you've got these boards that you can do all kinds of magic with, and I I wonder what their creativity. I wish. Um, I wish John was still alive so he and Paul could still do that because yeah. I think they might. Yeah, it's so funny to think about that band and what they were able to accomplish with sort of the recording limitations of the 60s. But, you know, the same could be said with Amy Winehouse in the short period of time yeah. we had her. I yeah. mean, she was amazing. Yeah, what an impact she had just on everybody that heard her music in such a short period of time because she was not really in the public eye for a long time. You know, yeah. she dies, I think, in 2009. Yeah, I think so. I mean, just... There were just a few years. No, yeah. yeah. She puts out Back to Black in 2008 and then, you know, passes away a year later. I mean, yeah. that's... It, it's that's our, the tragedy it's of all of this. such a tragedy. Yeah. You start to I wonder agree. about what what if, you know, yeah. what would our scene, what would the music right? atmosphere be with Amy Winehouse still in it? Yep, I agree. Well, we agreed on both. We did. On the first one. We'll see how it goes on the next one. So... Uh, this is Dr. Bob and this is Nick and this and is this the cover is story the cover podcast. Story. Yeah. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.